Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 26th of September. This is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Ligas. We have lots of great stuff to cover this morning, including Texas State soccer and volleyball, as well as a total weekend football recap. But before we get to all that, let's throw it to Ryan for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar, the sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound front road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Thanks, Ryan. We're going to go ahead and get started with two teams that have been absolutely on fire to start their conference schedule. Of course, we're talking about the Bobcats soccer and volleyball teams. Um, first with the Bobcats soccer team, their last game, they took a 4-1 to win against the ULM Warhawks this past Sunday. In that game, uh, we got to see Matty Goss with a, a hat trick, three goals. That's the first time a Bobcat's done it since Lauren Prater did it back in 2015. Uh, it was just a, a great offensive performance. You know, we had a, a great defensive performance a week ago. Um, so the, the other side of the ball decided to show up and um, get a, a big conference win here. Yeah, Matty Goss really said, let me put – y'all can hang back. Y'all can relax. Let me put the team on my back. I mean, three goals, I mean – Shoot, I can't even score three goals in FIFA. So for her to score three goals in real life, man, that's just great. And, you know, it's good to see that the team has found, you know, someone that can really put some shots on the goal, really shoot with some accuracy and get around the defense and get the ball on the goal. And speaking of defense, you know, one one aspect of this defense is Caitlin Chrisman for the Bobcats had two saves. And, you know, we haven't seen anything less from Caitlin Chrisman. She's done this in multiple games um, throughout the season so far. And I wanted to mention on this offense, uh, Juana Plata, her two assists, one to Goss, Maddie Goss, and one to Kiara Gonzalez on the afternoon was a career high and for her and is the most by a Texas State player in a game since Coastal Carolina's 2-1 win in 20, 2021 in September 16th. So, I mean, Juana Plata is showing this offense is definitely doing its work. And with Matty Goss been able to get those goals and Kira Gonzalez. I think Juana Plata's place on this offense is really good. Yeah, it comes after such a, a tough game. They started conference play or sorry, the second game and the and the conference schedule was that game against Georgia Southern. And it was a one one tie. And uh, obviously that was a very tough game. It was a hot one in, uh, in Statesboro. So I'm sure uh, Coach Holman, you know, appreciates the girls coming out to play hard and, you know, make maybe having a game that's a, a little less um, worrisome late in the late in the game. Yeah, and I mean, and just looking at the numbers, I mean, it's good to see this kind of consistency with this team. I mean, 20 shots on goal. I'm sorry, 20 shots, 11 shots on goal. And, you know, they had six saves, 11 corner kicks. You know, they kind of got offsides a couple times, five. But it's good to see kind of, you know, seeing the same stat line and not a dipping. And, you know, that's when if it dips, you know, that's when you might have a loss on the record. But for them to still be 8-1-2 and two this, or this, like, this late in the season, it's pretty good to see. Yeah, it's an amazing to see their energy at home. I mean, within the first three minutes, I was producing this game, and I had Joey Gonzalez on the call with, with Giancarlo Cacho, and I was shocked to hear that within three minutes of the game starting, there was already a goal, and I wasn't even ready for the amount of noise that I heard from Joey. He got on his feet. He was loud, and I mean, the energy there is something else. The fans are showing up as well. Uh, there was over 175 fans in attendance at this game, but we've seen fans 
pour out in the previous home games. And with that energy, it really helps him a lot come back from a draw or a loss on the road. And I think with that energy and with Steve Holman's coaching, I mean, this team is looking quite frightening for other Sunbelt teams. Yeah, so the Bobcats soccer team will next get on the road to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. That game will be this Saturday, October 1st at 12 p.m. in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. But you can stream the game on ESPN Plus to support the Bobcat soccer team on the road. Uh, but next, we will talk about the Bobcat volleyball team. And in their last games, they swept 3-0 and won 3-1 against the ULM Warhawks as well. On Thursday and Friday of last week, that was to open up their conference schedule um, so it was a, a great way to open it up, you know, on a, on Friday at the, the Rattler game, me and Paxton talked about this, but it, what a better way to open up your conference schedule if you're, you know, coach Hewitt and, and the, the volleyball team. Yeah. And I mean, to win both on Thursday and Friday, I mean, it just, you know, it, it, it cements a little bit of, you know, of what the team is, is able to do and, you know, to win the first two conference games of the season, it shows like, okay, so now this is who we're going to be playing this type of talent. In the in the in the conference, and I mean they they did good on that Friday game. I mean they probably already covered a Thursday game, but for the Friday game, I mean sixty one kills for the team. Jada Gardner, nothing new, you know she had sixteen kills in the game. Nothing new, you know. Jana Fitzgerald had twelve, and I mean, uh, you know they did they didn't put up a good amount of errors, twenty two, but I mean, other than that, they had really a good hitting percentage. Uh, I mean, assists was on mark. But I think 61 kills, I mean, you love to see that. Yeah, 61 kills, and not to mention, you know, the number 60 does ring a bell. That was the amount of assists Emily DeWalt had last game. Well, this time she had 47, and it's just insane that this Emily DeWalt on this Bobcat team, I mean, winning Sunbelt Player of the Week now, Sunbelt Setter of the Week 21 times in her career so far, three times already this season. I mean, this volleyball team really knows how to get momentum started in conference play. You know, going away and, you know, that that sweep and that first performance on Thursday, I mean, that brought them the momentum Friday, and they really only allowed one only one loss in one of those sets. But, you know, with Janelle Fitzgerald and Emily DeWalt, I mean, this prime duo is showing Sean Hewitt what can be done, really. Yeah, last week after their, uh, their TCU tournament, we talked a lot about uh, Maggie Walsh and how she made it, that freshman made an impact. Um, but this time over the weekend in the first game, she got her first career collegiate start and she finished with a 12 kill, 14 dig, double double. So a great performance out of the, uh, the true freshman there. And then in the second game, you mentioned Emily DeWald with 47 assists. Uh, and those 47 assists actually helped her pass Allison Howard, who played for New Orleans uh, and from 1999 to 2002 for third place on the Sunbelt Conference's career assist leaderboard. So she wow. is now holds that third place spot, and she's going to enter um, this weekend's matchup just 37 assists shy of passing uh, second place. So, you know, a fun story to follow for the rest of the season, and hopefully we can see her, you know, get to the top of that leaderboard by the time she finishes her time here at Texas State. Yes, we want to see her at the top of that leaderboard, and, I mean, there's no other opportunity than, you know, the next few games. I mean, if she's getting 60 assists in a game, uh, she could break the the first place record. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, Emily DeWalt, uh, she's needs to be sponsored by uh, DeWalt, um, the the you know the drill company. Um, but yeah, no, Emily DeWalt, she's just really doing amazing things for this team, and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect to see anything else at this next game versus James Madison. Yeah, no, and it's really good to see like not only has this team this volleyball team have such consistent success, but has consistent players. I mean. These this group of girls has been together for a good amount of time, 
And what that also brings is experience and leadership to the freshman, like you're talking about that one freshman right now, like they're helping her develop probably quicker than she probably expected because they have all this knowledge and uh, and tips for her. And so it's good to see uh, this team with a lot of success have this solid group of veterans and a really good freshman and, you know, sophomore group of players on the bench that can learn and develop to take over whenever they leave. Yes, exactly. I mean, this freshman group, when we were talking to Sean Hewitt before the season even began, he talked about the biggest issue facing this team was just getting a starting group on the floor because there were so many new people new members on this team uh new freshmen and there's just so much more young there's such a young core here on this team there's so many more opportunities for learning and growth especially in those losses you know we look back in those tournaments previously uh the one in hawaii the one the tcu those losses that they did take in those tournaments to get those nationally ranked schools it gives these freshmen a real opportunity to prepare themselves for a starting lineup position in the future yeah, the Bobcats will next take on the James Madison Dukes on Friday at 6 p.m. and Saturday at 12 p.m. And these games will both be at Strahan Arena here in San Marcos. So make sure to keep supporting these girls and, you know, help them have continue their success this season. But we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side of it, it's time for some football talk. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez, and this is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, we're diving right into football talk, which, of course, starts off with the Rattlers from San Marcos High School. Uh, the San Marcos Rattlers, unfortunately, had a, a heartbreaking game on homecoming night where they lost to the Eagle Pass Eagles 39-31 to on Friday at Toyota Rattler Stadium. You know, I was at this game. I was taking stats up in the booth with Kyle and Paxton. And it was it looked like it was going to be such a, a great start. You know, the first play for San Marcos was a 75-yard touchdown pass from Isaiah DeLeon to Tony Diaz. And at one point, the Rattlers led 31-13. to And Eagle Pass just went into the locker room at halftime and completely changed what they were doing and came back and, you know, really, really built an upset to, uh, you know, send the Rattlers home you know not not as happy as they wanted to be on homecoming night yeah it's always unfortunate to lose at homecoming night i mean at my high school i don't think we ever won a game at homecoming night when i was in high school but yeah i mean looking at this you know at the stats and the scores from this game i mean they had i mean you know like you said the rattlers had it i mean 12 points in the first seven in the second and then 12 points in the third and then they just got shot out in the fourth quarter and then I don't know. They put something in the in the Gatorade or something for the Eagles because I mean they scored twenty points in the in the fourth quarter to to win the game. And I mean, you, you know, you take these losses. You know, you analyze what could have gone wrong, what could have gone better. You know, what what did you fail to execute? But I mean, it's good to see that even though they lost, they I mean it was a good game. They they put up pretty good numbers rushing wise, passing wise. And you know, I think that defense just got kind of tired towards the end. They got worn down. So I think. If they can try and limit the amount of time that the defense is out there, that'll really help them in the future. A hundred percent. I mean, the the defense is such an important and crucial aspect of the game of football, and it needs to be prevalent. You can't allow another team to score twenty points in that fourth quarter. But you know what I take away from this game is look at their their first game when they played against Hutto Hippos at home. You know that was a game where penalties you know ran the entire game. One hundred and fifty yards was given away by pointless penalties by defensive linemen. And look at how they've improved. I mean, they're playing a team, the Eagle Pass High School Eagles, and that was a team that was four you know that's four and zero now five and zero, and you know. 
that was that's a that's a big challenge to take on and for your homecoming game and you actually hold them to 39 to 31 I don't see that as a loss in my book I see that as improvement you're holding one of the best teams nearby to a 39 to 31 score I see that as improvement and I think you know that that early lead was kind of fun for the fans at homecoming, but just like you, Ryan, my homecoming games always resulted in an L. So I, I mean, I can't I can't really know what it's like to see a homecoming win, Colton. Yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned the improvements, um, but I think some of their mistakes kind of caught back to, up up to them a little bit. Um, the offensive line, you know, the penalties kind of kind of kicked them in the butt again with a, a few false starts, a few holding penalties. And, you know, maybe you, uh, you maybe you put that with um, fatigue. Maybe you put that with just, you know, it's slipping the mind. But these mistakes pile up. And then on the defensive side, they could not stop the quarterback runs. Eagle Pass's quarterback had five rushing touchdowns. He, he's supposed to throw the ball. Like he had five touchdowns on the ground and then also one through the air. And that, you know, that helps lead them back to a win. So you have to see what's going on during the game and adapt to that. And you have to, you have to stop the penalties. Yeah. You know, in high school, it is very tough to take on a dual threat quarterback. I mean, if they can run, I mean, there's no way to contain them. Usually, I mean, in high school, you know, you don't have Demarcus Lawrence on the line. You don't have Devin Bush as a linebacker. You don't have, you know, you don't have Darius Slay as a cornerback they, who can react quick, en- uh, quick enough to when that quarterback starts running to go get him. So if you have a dual quarterback in high school, that's uh, that's money. And you know, like you said, I mean, six touchdowns in total, five on the ground. I mean, <laughs> what can you do about that? I mean, he's just too good. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rattlers are definitely going to have to learn how to deal with some of this talent coming in and, you know, a homecoming game. And this was, you know, this wasn't a district game yet. I don't believe so. So they're not in district play yet. So some of these some people may say, oh, this loss doesn't really count. Um, but, you know, I think it was a great learning experience for this entire team. And it definitely is a shown of their improvement. Um, you know, when you look at that Hutto Hippo game, that was quite embarrassing for home fans. But then you see the way they've improved and they're playing against a really, really tough team like this with with talent. You know, many teams don't get to see that often. And, and the fact you can hold a team to, you know, 39 points when they could possibly score 60 on your head like they've done to other teams. Um, that's some improvement for the Rattlers. Yeah. So the Rattlers this week will take the week off and uh, not have a game. So they will have some time to look over their first games before they head into their district matchups. Um, but their next game will be next Friday, October 7th at 7.30 p.m. at Toyota Rattler Stadium against the Clemens Buffaloes, who hold a 3-2 and two record right now. So we will see if the Rattlers are able to um, bounce back from that tough loss against Eagle Pass. But next up, we'll take a look at the Bobcat football team, who are back to 500, two and two, the best start since 2016. It's kind of unfortunate that that's the best start, but they won 34 to zero against the HCU Houston Christian University Huskies on Saturday. It was it was a good bounce back after a, a tough loss to Baylor. You know, it's it's good to end on a game like that going into that tough Sun Belt schedule. Yeah, and I mean, you know. To start two and two and be that be you know that be your best record since 2016. That's a little tough. I mean you know soccer you know they went what seven six and zero, oh, and that'd be their best record. But you know it's good to see you know progress is progress, and so it's really good to see this team develop the way they have and you know really progress uh, better than in seasons past. And you know to have a shutout at home is a big crowd booster and a morale booster for the team. And I mean, and that's what we've been saying this whole, um, since the beginning of the season, you know, it's, it, you know, 
they got to win, you know, the team over, you know, they got to buy in, but they also need to win the fans over. Cause when you have a good amount of fans in that stadium, that brings it up a notch. You know, the energy for the team is way better and it really helps you, you know, really know what you're playing for besides yourselves. Yeah. And I think these shutout wins is a great way to get more fans into the stadium to bring the energy up for the Bobcats. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this game and some things I really wanted to say about it. The total yards allowed by the Bobcats were the fewest in a game in the entire program's FBS history. And while the 34 point win was their largest in seven years. Now you mentioned, you know, a great shutout. Well, the last time they had a shutout was seven years ago, seven years ago or over seven years ago. It was Texas State shutting out on August 30th, 2014, the Arkansas Pine Bluff, 65 to zero. So the Bobcats are seeing some success they haven't seen in a long time. Um, just just a little factoid thrown out there. Hawkins, Ashton Hawkins, um, he's had a touchdown catch in all four games this year. And with his 34 receptions, he is now the most by a Bobcat in the first four games of a season. Um, he has entered the game second in the nation right now for total receptions this year. So he entered that game second in the nation. I don't know what his standing is now, but like you mentioned, I mean, fans need to come out to this game and i don't know any other way besides breaking some records yeah you mentioned that last shutout win 65 to nothing in 2014 i'd like to mention that that year the bobcats ended up with a record of seven and five which was bowl eligible but they did not get selected for a bowl game but if we went seven and five this year i think that's a, a success you know yeah i don't remember the last time we ever got over three or four wins i mean so seven and five would be really good for that team and i mean and as they keep talking about, you know, progression, I mean, they are still throwing the ball over the top. I mean, they had that 38-yard touchdown from Marcel Barbie. I mean, it's really good to see this team really kind of find their, um, you know, their, their, their kind of a character, you know, trying to see it. Like, it used to be like a running team because they weren't able to pass that much. Now they can run really well and they can pass pretty well too. So <laughs> yeah, when you mentioned this patching passing Lane Hatcher um, became the first Texas state quarterback to throw over 300 plus yards in a game since Brady McBride did it against his former team, uh, the Arkansas state red wolves at November 1st of tw uh, November 21st, 2020. Um, also just some more facts about this game. Texas state had 28 first downs compared to HCU's eight first downs. Um, the Huskies only actually had 39 yards on the ground and 103 in the air. Um, they were also held to four of 15 on their third down. So they're only making 26.7% of the third downs. Um, Lincoln Perry, like you mentioned, the running, it was definitely there. Lincoln Perry led the team with the season high in rushing yards with 84 yards and after 19 attempts. And Calvin Hill also rushed for 61 yards and 17 carries. Um, so, I mean, honestly, this team is just showing up in different ways. And, and, you know, when it comes to running and when it comes to passing, they found their character. And I I think Lane Hatcher is a really good leader for this team. And like you said, this is the best start they've had in years. But it's a two and two record, which many people are like, what? That's the best record in years. But honestly, Lane Hatcher is excited to, to change that. And I think they can with their, their next games. Yeah. So they're going to need all those aspects of the game to show up at their next game, which will be this Saturday, October 1st at 1230 p.m. when they travel to Virginia to take on the undefeated 3-0 James Madison Dukes. Uh, you know, it's going to be, I've heard it's a sold-out stadium already, an undefeated team in the Sun Belt. So how how are the Bobcats going to come away with a, a Sun Belt win to start their schedule? Well, I'm very shocked that James Madison is 3-0 right now, and they beat App State. I remember talking in the beginning of the season, we were kind of like, you know, everyone's like, you know, the first four or five games are going to be like whatever, and the big game is going to be App State. That's going to be the big game to win, or at least, you know, to do good. And I kept saying, you know, I think the James Madison game is going to be the one to win, and I thought it was going to be, you know, an easy win. You know, I thought it was going to be pretty good. But, I mean, 
you know, since week one, college football has turned itself upside down. I mean, week one, James Madison played Middle Tennessee, and they creamed them like 44 to 7. And then you had Middle Tennessee this past week beat Miami, and then James Madison beat App State. So I think now, I feel like this game is even more important than the App or Yeah, this game is more important than the App State game because this is now the true opponent. This is the true first big game besides the Baylor game, but that was, you know, yeah, I thought App State is like you were mentioning. I thought App State was the team to beat in the Sun Belt Fun Belt, but we have seen now that JMU. I mean, beating App State, a team that beat Texas A and M. Um, you know, this is definitely a big game for the Bobcats. Um, they're going to have to learn a few things. They're going to have to learn how to maintain that that rushing and that passing offense. They're going to have to learn how to maintain that away. Uh, we didn't see that in that Baylor game. They 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 were really they were really beat. Um, they didn't actually get more than just seven points in that game. So um, yeah, the Bobcats are definitely going to have to find a way to. Keep that offense. Don't get into some weird fouls, I mean penalties, and play some good defense. And I think, honestly, you can hold any team. Uh, you know, the HCU Huskies, they had a great opportunity to win this game. They were not, you know, 0-2. They were 1-1. They came off of a good win. And, honestly, the Bobcats shut them out, something many people were not expecting. So there gets there's the same opportunity. You said college football is completely unpredictable. Who knows what JMU fans could see upcoming this weekend. Yeah, and like you said right now, you know, making sure they don't make any mistakes or anything. Lane Hatcher has been pretty good in terms of interceptions. I mean, against teams like Baylor, he threw a couple, Navadi threw a couple, but he hasn't been doing anything egregious. He hasn't been throwing, you know, James James Winston, you know, 30 interceptions, you know. He's not doing that. So, I think if he can just keep it good and clean this game again, this game against JMU, I think the Texas has a pretty good shot and it'd be a pretty good upset. I mean, I don't think I don't know when was the last time Texas ever had an upset. Houston, yeah. like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whenever they played that game? As I said, this game will be this Saturday at 12.30 p.m., and you can either watch that game on ESPN Plus or listen to it here on KTSW. But now we will zoom out of San Marcos and take a look at some national news. And what better way to do that than looking at NFL Week 3? We got a few games picked out, starting with the Colts upsetting the Chiefs 20-17. to The Colts' defense held the Chiefs to only three points in the second half. And Matt Ryan went back to his winning ways and led a game-winning drive down the field to put the Colts ahead 20-17. to Matty Ice is just that guy, man. I mean, to hold, you know, Patrick Mahomes and all of them to just 17 points, like, what? That's crazy. And especially, to, like, they took away the run game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had the most rushing yards with 26. He only had 26. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their starting, quote-unquote, starting quarterback, or starting running back, only had zero yards Someone had a touchdown. So I guess he got a lot of negative yards in that. But, I mean, just for them, and it, I mean, this is a win that they really needed. I really like the Colts. I like the team they got. You know, Michael Pittman is my guy. Uh, I got on fantasy. He's, he's a really good guy. I mean, he had 70 yards that game. And, I mean, the, it's just really good to see him beat a really good team because they've been getting dogged on, you know, since that tie with the Texans, and then they took a couple losses. So it's, it's really good to see him come out and be like, yeah, you know, we can kind of play ball. We can play ball. Yeah, and I, I, I 100% am on the same page as you. I'm glad to see the Colts beat the Chiefs. And the reason why is I just always like seeing, you know, players beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, sorry, sorry, Jordan Young, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, no, um, the, the Colts really showed up. And Jonathan Taylor really showed up as well. Um, if you look at that game against the Texans, that first game, um, Jonathan Taylor was actually held down pretty well. So to see that improvement, that's a big reason why they definitely came away with this win. I know he had, I think, um, 71 rushing yards. So Jonathan Taylor definitely made an impact on this rushing, uh, rushing offense for the Colts. And I think just the Chiefs, you know, Patrick Mahomes being held down um you know they really couldn't get away with this win but we'll see what the Chiefs can do next time 
Yeah, our second game, uh, Lamar Jackson threw for four touchdowns and also ran for one to beat the Patriots 37 to 26. You know, this comes off of their kind of unsettling loss to the Dolphins last week where they gave up their lead. But also on the Patriots side, Mac Jones suffered a pretty rough ankle injury that could keep him out for a while. And Brian Hoyer is the backup quarterback right now. So uh, what do the Patriots have to do uh, to, um, you know, solve this problem, I guess? They just have to make sure that Brian Hoyer can still throw the ball. I mean, dude's old, but, you know, hopefully he can hang in there, still do it. I mean, they got kind of lucky, you know, that um, Stevenson kind of came up at the end. I mean, their rushing game was kind of what kept him in for a little while. I mean, Steven had 73 yards and a touchdown. Harris had 41 yards, who is their starting running back, but... I guess Stevenson got more to touches. He got a touchdown, and Mac Jones, before he went out, got a touchdown. So I think what the Patriots, they just need to make sure that their defense can hold um, and really make sure they don't have to keep their offense. They look at, like that they can get their offense more on the field. Because if you know Brian Horror, you know if he can really start throwing the ball in the beginning, get more time on the field, I think that'll really help him and feel like, you know, settle in and get a little comfortable on that field. Yeah. Brian Hoyer, you know, the 36 year old, as you mentioned from Lakewood, Ohio, Brian Hoyer, he's been, you know, he's had experience in the NFL before, um, you know, 10,000 passing yards in his career, um, a 59.3% completion rate. He's 53 touchdowns to fit 35 interceptions in his career. So yeah, the Patriots taking a huge loss with Mac Jones out Lamar Jackson, really not holding back at all running in for a touchdown that man is something else he was getting redemption for that game against Tua that's for sure that guy's um, that guy saved my fantasy team man he I was in the gutter and he pulled me out man he pulled me out <laughs> he definitely did and he did not hold back and uh you know Patriots fans must be wondering how Brian Hoyer is going to do um if you look at a lot of these older quarterbacks you know starting the season like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers we'll see how another older quarterback can do but um Brian Hoyer 36 years old for the Patriots we'll see how he does next week yeah and they're playing the Packers next week so Oh. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, we saw that game already, so we'll see what, what that defense can do to stop Brian Hoare. Well, the Packers will take a win. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, week three, we'll wrap up tonight. Monday night football between the Cowboys and the Giants at 7.15 p.m. Uh, do, do y'all think that uh, the Cooper Rush magic continues? Hey, let the Coop train keep going, man. He's got it. I believe in him. As a faithful Cowboy fan, I'm just glad he can throw the ball. I mean, when Dak went out, we thought the season was over. But, you know, you pulled a win out for us. So, I mean... That's pretty good, man, and I, I think Coop can do it. And, I mean, I think with Jason Peters getting on that line, you know, they can move Tyler Smith somewhere if they want to really shore up that line. So I think it's going to be good. And Zeke and Tony, Tony Pollard have been progressing pretty well during the season. So I think it's going to be good. They just got to stop Saquon, but, you know, with Michael Parson out there in the middle, I mean, it's easy. I don't know about y'all, but I'm definitely going for the Cowboys in this situation. Uh, the Giants are 2-0 and right now, and honestly, the Giants led by – Daniel Jones is their quarterback, I think. Um, uh, you know, really not a, you know, compared to Dak Prescott and now Cooper Rush, guys. Cooper Rush beat, beat no one else but Joe Shiesty himself. So if that's the guy that you're facing this Monday night football, you know, I'd be nervous. Uh, Cooper Rush definitely knows how to get the hands, get, get the ball in the hands of CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, that is definitely going to happen again. And I think, you know, the Cooper Rush. He, he might have this team. We, we might see a Kurt Warner situation here, guys. You, we might be witnessing history. You know, if they end up coming away with this win and it ends up going a streak, I'm getting a Cooper Rush jersey. I don't know about y'all, um, but that's just the truth. No, I was out there. Uh, I was at a concert at, at uh, Globe Life Park right when the game got out for the Cowboys game, and everyone out there was saying, yeah, man, Cooper Rush is my guy. You know, a lot of Coop fans out there. might have just been, you know, hopping on the train but you know i think there's a lot of faith in cooper rush with the cowboys fans well that's all our time for football talk today but we're going to kick it over to justin our trusty weatherman for a little weather update 
Yes, I am here with my trusty information. I have the Weather Channel on my phone today. The high will be 95. Expect a low of 61. That already passed. I was around this morning. Um, checking the radar here, we have a 0% chance of rain. And that's going to be the case, it says, for the next three days where you'll see highs of in the lower 90s and lows up in the high 50s and low 60s. But yeah, it's looking like a pretty cool week. No need for a rain jacket so far but hey just bring one just in case because you know how texas weather is especially in the hill country but be prepared and it looks like a sunny fun weekend well that is all of our time for today make sure to keep up with everything texas state and san marcus related by following us at ktsw sports on twitter instagram and youtube for justin brown and ryan liguez i'm colton gibson thank you for listening to this monday's edition of bobcat radio have a great rest of your day and we hope you tune back in at the same time on wednesday now let's get you back to the other side of radio